0: Okay, I'm pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay. So one of the things I started doing on my drive to works are a bunch of what I call uh, mega series, where they're all about um, trying to talk about a topic that's big enough that I can't do it during just one podcast. Um, so one of the very first ones I started was on the card types. Um, I think the very first one was a... I did um, Planeswalkers with, with a guest star, Macavada, And then I did creatures and artifacts... or I did artifacts and creatures. And then I did land, and then I did instants and sorceries. Uh, and now I'm left with one final uh, card type, which is enchantments. And I purposely left enchantments till the end because enchantments are a big part of Theros block. And so I wanted to be able to talk a little bit about Theros block when talking about enchantments. And I wanted to make sure that it was a known quantity when I did it. Um, One of the things in general that I've been trying to do with this podcast is make it more general and more about kind of the past and make them a little more evergreen and that my column will be a little more about current current contemporary um, topics. Um, And just so I can carve a little different space, so I'm not saying the exact same things in my podcast I'm saying in my um, articles. So if you, if you do listen to both, read and listen to each of them, that you will get different content. I overlap a little bit, and obviously, from time to time in my podcast, I will go over topics from my columns, but usually I try to add extra content. Bonus content for you. Okay, so we're now we're talking about enchantment. So what I've done for each part of this series is I've gone back and, and tried to get in Richard's mind and said, when he made magic, why did he make this card type? Okay. I think the answer is, well, Richard knew he wanted the Five Colors of Magic, and that if you think about the kind of spells that you want to do, well, um, you know, clearly, for example, you want to be able to you know, throw lightning bolts and do things that have a momentary status to them, that are like, that are one and done. You do them, and then they're done. They've done the thing. But he also wanted some magic that had some permanence to it. Now, obviously, artifacts had a, had a, a similar quality in that, you wanted artifacts that kind of... You had this mighty artifact, and it affected all the environment around it. Um, but he also wanted some of that, just flavor-wise, look, I'm, I'm a mage, I cast a spell, and it has an effect. It has a permanent effect. Um, and so enchantments came about mostly because, I mean, Richard wanted to enchant things. I mean, Richard wanted to... I mean, so I think auras are slightly different than global enchantments. So global enchantments represent just this inherent concept of... um you know, I want to change the environment, and and forever it, you know, until you dispel it, or, you know, you disenchant it or naturalize it, or whatever. That it 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 affects it, the environment. Where an aura is the idea that I'm using magic, but it's, instead of an environment, it's, it's all a thing. I, I'm I'm enhancing, I'm enchanting a thing. Um, now I don't know what came first in Richard's mind. I don't know whether he had auras first or whether he had global enchantments first. Uh, I use the term global enchantment, by the way, because once upon a time, we used to refer to them as global enchantments and local enchantments. Uh, We now call them auras, but uh, around the time of Mirage, in fact, there's uh, a pair of cards, Mirage, one that destroys a local enchantment, one that destroys a global enchantment. We never really came up with another term for global enchantment, so uh, one of the things you'll notice in my podcast is if we once had a word for it, and we've since decided we don't want to use that word, but we haven't replaced that word with another word, I'll just use the old word. Uh, fizzles is another classic example where, you know, I guess you don't fizzle things anymore. You counter them. But counter means so many different things that if I want to explain the concept of fizzling something, I'm like, well, I'll just use fizzle. So you can tell uh, my, my old-timerness shows through a little bit. And I, I just use some some terms that are like, well, it, it, it was functional. And, and I, one little side note real quick is I'm big on power of words. I mean, we had a, a, we had a, pod, a podcast on flavor text. One of these days, I'll do a podcast on names. Uh, but I, I'm a word guy, and I'm a big, big believer that words, if used correctly, have great power to them. And so I, in fact, one of my big things in R&D is finding concepts that I think are important and then naming them so that R&D can talk about them. One of the powers of names is that when you graft concepts to names, you now allow people to have a dialogue about those concepts. And so, you know, whether it's the psychographics, or it's New World Order, or it's, just different, you know, virtual cards or even vanilla. Uh, vanilla and French vanilla and, you know, all that. I've been a very, very advocate of creating vocabulary for R&D because it helps... When you're able to talk about something, you become conscious of it. It's just the way language works. That if it's a concept that isn't named, it's so much harder to communicate it and it's harder to have a dialogue about it. Anyway, a little side thing. Um, so... I believe that Richard wanted to enchant things, and he wanted in colors. Like, to say only artifacts could make global things, well, you're missing a lot of cool magic. You know, there might be neat things I want to do that are very color-oriented. Um, now, one of the ongoing things, I talked about this when I talked about artifacts, is, mechanically speaking, there is a thin line between artifacts and enchantments. Uh, a, a crazy thin line. And one of the things that we tend to do in magic is we stretch boundaries. So one of the things is... We, from time to time, will take one of the few differences between enchantments and artifacts, and we will stretch those. And I, I do them because there's reasons to do them, and I, I kind of, you need to be able to stretch boundaries, but one of the dangers of the boundary stretching is when the boundaries are so thin, as between artifacts and enchantments, that the stretching of them, cause in my mind, and there's two ways to view magic. One is it's an ever-changing game where you're looking at the current version of the game and seeing that it ebb and flows. Uh, and there's another way to look at it is it's conglomerate, that magic is everything. If we ever made a card, that is magic. Um, as a designer, it's hard for me to take the second stance because I have to believe that I can change things and adapt things, and that if I just assume, like, well, it did it, ah, I guess it did it. Like it just becomes a hard system to create. That The reason we have rotations and the reason we do things and the reason limit is important and there's standard and stuff like that was we want things to rotate out. We want to have different environments. The magic is more fun if it's not just everything. When you're additive, there's always so little you can change the environment because things exist. Um, and so my take on it is when I stretch enchantment or artifact boundaries, it's just for a little bit of time and they go back. So right now, as an example... Um, one of the biggest differentiations between enchantments and artifacts is coloredness. colorlessness, or color, colored or colorlessness. Um, you know, artifacts are anybody can cast with the, with your generic mana, and you know they they can go in any deck. Where an enchantment has colored mana, and you know what happens is. Um, like, along comes... Uh, what was the first set to do it? I guess, it was Shards of Alara, where we had this neat concept with Esper, and you know, the, the creatures themselves were improving themselves to the point where they were becoming artifacts, so it was kind of neat to make all the creatures artifacts, but they now made colored artifacts. Um, and from time to time, like... Uh, um, uh, New Phyrexia, also, we found a different way to use artifacts in a way where there were colored artifacts. and I mean, it's something where, and once again, in Theros, with the uh, the weapons of the gods, like, every once in a while, we make something where it makes sense that it's an artifact, yet it's colored. Um, and and also, I mean, the artifacts in Theros is an artifact and an enchantment. we have talking about blurring the lines. It's both. Um, but, once again, in my mind, those are the exceptions and not the rule. And that, okay, every once in a while, we make colored... Um, Artifacts, but that's not what defines artifacts. Artifacts are colorless. And that, you know, every once in a while we bend that, but that's not, the bending of it is a special occasion. It's not something that's the, the default. The same is, for example, that enchantments don't tap. Uh, and in Future Sight, I've screwed around. Like, I we were trying to show you potential futures. I, I had a, you know, a tapping enchantment because I wanted to show, ooh, maybe, maybe we could do that. I, did, I had really no intention of going there. Although, to to be honest, here's another important thing to understand. is... Uh, I always set down rules. I write columns, I have podcasts, I set down rules. And then we go to break the rules and people get mad at me. They go, you said it was a rule! And then I'm like, no, 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 that's the default rule. Magic is a game that breaks its own rules. And the important thing about breaking rules is understanding when and where to break them. Meaning, you shouldn't break rules to break them. You should break rules because you are trying to do something and that makes natural sense. The perfect example is the equipment, uh, the weapons in, in Theros. Um, which was we wanted, you know, it all started with uh, Heliad had a spear, okay? He had this light spear that he would smite people with. And I'm like, okay, well, that's, a pretty, that's pretty cool. Well, how, if Heliad has a spear, how do we not make the spear of Heliad? That seems pretty awesome. We should make the spear of Heliod. Um, and so what happened was that, okay, let's make that. But then we had this other thing that said, well, all the creations of the gods were enchantments. So, you know, the gods are enchantments, their creations are enchantments. Well, why would the one weapon not be an enchantment if everything else they make are enchantments? Clearly, they made their weapons. And so, like, well, okay, I guess it needs to be... I mean, it's an artifact. It's clearly an artifact. And it's, by our definition, it's clearly an enchantment. So we sure mechanically that it represented both. But we're like, look, it needs to be both. It's just, it is both. You know, there's not a lot of cases where something should be an enchantment and be an artifact. But we found a case where it made sense, and so we did it. Um... And that's not us saying, oh, from now on, enchantments and artifacts can just be the same thing. No. It's like this one case, it made sense. In Esper, it made sense that the the creatures of Esper were colored. Or in Rise of the Eldrazi, I think we made colorless enchantments. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but uh, we could have if we didn't. My gut is we did, but... um, you know, and so it's possible to make an enchantment that doesn't have color. You know, I mean, that's possible. We could have made it. I think we did. If we did, we could have. But, uh, you know, that, that was a case where, okay, the draw are colors. We could do that. Um, but the, essentially, the, the, the dividing line is enchantments are meant to be colored things. Enchantments are meant to represent um, uh, magic with permanence. So, oh, here's an interesting thing. So one of the things we, we did divide is for a long time creatively we kind of just said, oh, well, what is this? Oh, it's a magical thing, you know? And we would make enchantments that represent magical things, and we made artifacts that are magical things. And finally we said, okay, okay, here's the creative difference. Maybe mechanically we will bleed a little bit from time to time, but let's make a very clear definition of what is creatively an artifact and what is creatively an enchantment. So first off, we said, okay, artifacts are actual physical things, a tangible thing. Why can red destroy artifacts? Because they're actual physical things. He can just blow them up. Red can blow them up. I, I don't know why I said he. Red really not he or she. Red can blow them up. Okay. So what is an enchantment? Well, enchantment is magic, and it can take it can take a form in the sense that it's ma- a magic with a form to it. But it's magical energy. That if I have an artifact, it's a thing. I, I can, you know I can knock on it. It's it's a, someone made it. It's a thing. But enchantment is, is created from magic. I mean, some of the times enchantments don't even have form, but the things that have form, they have to have a magical form. So, for example, let's say I had an equipment that gave a creature plus one, plus one, and I had an enchantment that gave a creature, in, you know, an aura that gave a creature plus one, plus one. Well, the um, equipment has to be some physical thing. It's a sword. It's a weapon of some kind. It's Maybe it's armor. You know, it's something. It's some tangible physical thing. But for the enchantment... Uh, maybe it enhances them in some way. Maybe it makes them bigger. Maybe it makes them stronger. That it's, it's magic that's affecting them. And then maybe it's a magical armor, a magical sword, but then it has to be clear in the art that it is made of magic. That it is a sword literally made of flame. Or it is a, you know, uh, the uh, armor is some sort of light, you know, physically made of light armor that's magical. You know, um, and we're more likely, by the way, that that the magic would enhance the creature and change the creature in some way. Um, so if you'll notice, for example, uh, the plus one plus one equipment is why is the creature stronger and tougher? Oh, well, they have something. That thing they have is helping them. They're a better fighter. They're more defensive, whatever. Where we tend to make an aura is that it literally enhances and changes the quality of the, of the, the, the wearer, Meaning... That you are buffed in some way that physically changes you, where the equipment doesn't change you, it grants, gives you something, and the aura changes you in some way. That's how we tend to do it. When it's a physical thing, sometimes you have to have a giant fist or something that's made of magic. But usually, we like the idea: the aura is, is, is the aura is, is enchanting you, the, the, the creature, you know, you, you, the creature who has it. Um, I mean, the, and, and the other thing we said is. Um, we started saying, okay, like, for a while we were doing enchantments as having a, like, being a, a place. And, like, okay, we said, look, no, we, we divided there. We said, okay, actual places are lands. Um, we said actual buildings, we decided could be artifacts, but not enchantments. Enchantments aren't buildings. Enchantments are that buildings have a tangibility to them. So, um, now, the tricky thing between land and artifacts is um, lands represent places, and sometimes places have, have structures on them. Um... And so there's a thin line we try to divide there. I mean, that's more between land and artifact. Um, like I said, the default is that artifacts are colorless and enchantments have color. Uh, the default is that artifacts can tap when enchantments do not tap. Um, we actually had a radical proposal at one point. During Mirrodin, um, Tyler Bielman, Tyler Beelman was uh, brand manager for a while, or assistant uh, you know, brand manager for a while, and then he was in charge of the creative team for a while, um, he and I worked together on Mirrodin. Uh, we did the initial work on, on Metal World, and then Brady came in and, and revamped a bunch of stuff. But, uh, and Tyler and I were trying to revamp artifacts. And, um, one of the things that we were looking at is maybe drawing a harder line. And the proposal we made at the time was, okay, what if artifacts didn't do global effects? The artifacts just, um, that you could have equipment, uh, or you could have some stuff that, um, like, the idea was that we made equipment more, you tap to use it, and that global effects were taken out of artifacts and given that to enchantments. Uh, and we talked about that, and we said, okay, we, we listed all the artifacts that were important, that were global, and said, well, what if, what if you know, um, you know, Howling Mine isn't an artifact, it's just a blue enchantment, and what if, you know, and we looked at all of them, and we thought about making this clean break, but in the end, people decided that there's just some cool artifacts that kind of, like, affect the entire state, and they were kind of neat, and there some things that you wanted to do in artifacts that made real sense to the flavor of an artifact. Um, you know, idea of this, this mystical orb that enchants everything. So we ended up not doing it. We, we talked about it, and it would have been a much cleaner divide, mechanically. Um, but one of the things, here's a good side to talk about, which is um, one of the things that's tricky is there's a lot of things that flavor do for you that um flavor is dangerous in that you want to be true to flavor but that flavor if you follow flavor all the time it messes with your mechanics. Like one of the, one of the truisms that I've said is look any color you could come up with a in in flavor way to explain why any color will do most anything. You know, that it's not like there, there isn't... The colors are robust. The philosophies are robust. You can come up with things. I mean, and the classic example is the bees in green, right? Green has insects and it's nature and you have bees and, but the problem with bees is that um, what bees want to do to be the flavor of bees is they want to fly and green doesn't do a lot of flying and they want to cause damage because bees damage things and, you know, green doesn't really do direct damage to other creatures and so, like, you know, it... One of the things that that that's dangerous is that we would do this thing where someone would come up with a card, and mechanically the card didn't really fit but flavor wise oh it was this and and one of the things that I, I've been trying to get across r and d is that just because something is an awesome flavor fit you that the color pie is important and that you know flavor is more flexible than the color pie um, and sometimes to get the flavor you need it's just a multicolor card that that every possible flavor cannot be covered by monocolor cards and that sometimes you want to do it right look you, you want to do Angry Bees maybe it has to be green red or green black or something in which you can you can. or actually green red is not great because of flying maybe green black um, you know that if you want you have to do something that can convey the things you need to convey um, and that you just because you can come up with the flavor you know, and the flavor fits in the color pie, doesn't mean that that is justifiable to make the card. Um, and, and, and the reality is just, I mean, when you come to the, the, the sort of the center of it, which is that mechanics don't have the flexibility of flavor. Flavor is just so much more flexible. And that um, we're trying to try, stay true to the philosophies, but just because the philosophy can bend in a direction, you have to make choices on where you're bending in your philosophy. Um, and that if you don't have, if you bend too far, you can cause problems. And like I said, the enchantment artifact bend is one of the, the areas where we goof around with the most. That we're, it's a dangerous area. Um, part of me, the, 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 the mechanical side of me, thinks that maybe towering on my idea was a good idea of just make a hard fast. Um, but in the end, we're like, okay, there's good flavor. We're giving up. We want to be careful. You know, you don't want to abandon good flavor, but at the same time, you can't be victim to flavor and have mechanics suffer to flavor. So there's a balance. It's a tricky balance. Um, I mean, one of the things is we're 20 years in. We're like, shouldn't we have figured this all out? And the answer is, the reason we haven't figured it all out is on a case-by-case basis, we have to make decisions. You know, New World Order is all about saying we want to limit complexity. It doesn't mean there's no complexity in common. It means we have to be careful about where we choose to put it. You know, New World Order, 20% of the cards get complexity in common, essentially. Like, there's a certain number of cards that get red flag that we're allowed to do, and the core of it is saying, well, where, how do we want to use this? That's a big part of design, by the way, is not that you can't do something, but understanding restraint. Um, I'm going to give a parallel, uh, which is that I'm I'm on a diet. Uh, and my diet basically is that I was having too many sweets. Uh, and obviously, eat a lot of sweets, you gain some weight. I had too much weight. I wanted to lose some weight, uh, and I realized why well, it wasn't just sweets. I just I was eating more than I needed to eat, you know. But what I, I said is okay. I said, here's what I need to do. I need to figure out when sweets are important to me, because I knew if I cut them out, I would just never. Any system which I go, I'm just never doing something that I want to do. Eventually, will fail, you know, because it's just human nature that you can't give up something that you inherently want because your human nature overridingly will will rationalize it away and push you toward it so what I said is okay the key to making a diet work for me was allocating it It's saying I get some sweets but only a little bit and I have to figure out where and when it's important to me and that way every time I went to have a sweet I had to say oh oh is this important I only get so many sweets a week is this important is this something that's worth using that allocation and it's been very I've actually lost 20 pounds it's been very successful for me um, to say look Food is something that I need to have some of, I need to eat, but I need to be cautious about when to eat. And I can't eat just to eat. I have to go, am I eating for a reason, and, and you know. And that design is very similar, which is I you get resources allocated to you. There's things you get to do, but just because you get some doesn't mean you get as much as you want. And as a designer, you need restraint. I don't talk about restraint a lot. I think I I talk a lot about the free and open creative mind and do what you need to do. And early in design, it is very true that you need to sort of explore. And if you want to try out 20 mechanics, try out 20 mechanics. You want to try 20 mechanics all at once? If you have a reason to do that, fine. You know, early design is is about sort of uh, indulging to a certain extent. But later on, that there comes a point in design where you need to allocate and say, okay, I have a resource. And a very good example is, I have a cool new mechanic, but common can only be so complex. How much of it do I want to put in common? Where do I want to use in common? What's the best place to use it? You know, complexity is a lot like sweets, a little rarities especially, where it's like, I don't get a lot. I got to pick and choose. And when I choose a card, much like me choosing a sweet, I go, is this really where I want to spend the points? Is this where I want, you know, is this where complexity is going to do me good? And part of the time you know, one of the ways that New World Order, I think, has done us a lot of good is just making me, or, you know, R&D in general, uh, have to think about when and where we do things. Much like my diet is just me saying, okay, when and where am I going to have the things I want to have, you know, and that I think there's times before where we're like, ah, whatever, sure, and we just make comments that in the big picture, we shouldn't. Just like I would eat things, did I care that I ate them? I just you know, tasted good and I ate it. But when I stop to think, I go, wow, I only get so much sweets a week. Is that worth my sweet? And the funny thing is now, now, I have a, my, my quality level of my sweets is so much higher because I just don't eat garbage. Like when I go to eat something, I'm like, okay, I'm going to allocate and I'm going to make sure that I have something that I want. And that, I've cut out a lot of junky sweets. They're like, really? Did I need? Just like New World Order, cut out a lot of junky complexity. It's like, really? Do we need that? No. Um, and so, I mean, one of the fine lines... I mean, it's interesting this conversation comes up between enchantments, is that we have tried to figure out where the Tova line on enchantments and where we get to, to have our, our, our sweet treats, if you will. Notice... The only artifact enchantments in twenty years in the game are on five super high-profile cards that are very, very evocative of what we're trying to do. You know, the idea of having gods with equipment—I mean, it just—it goes to Greek mythology. You know, and we wanted that. We like, look, Heliod has his spear; he has it. That's important. And if Heliad's is going to have a spear, we want you, the players, to have the spear. You know, and I feel like did I allocate it correctly? Did I put it in the right place? I think I did. You know. And it's not saying, hey, artifacts and enchantments mean nothing. It said look, here's a place, here's a tiny place, it's just the stars aligned, it's important, you know, they're rare cards, it was a cycle, it's something that has a lot of focus. It's okay, I'm gonna do it there. You know. And that trying to figure out when and where, I mean one of one of the problems actually with Future Sight, when I look back about Future Sight is Future site wasted. Future site, if you will, was the idea of me saying, "Okay, oh, I'm at a, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fill this up with just every treat you can imagine, and it's kind of like someone comes, and I think the reason that people love Future Site is it's fun to go to a room full of treats and sample, and oh, this is good, mmm, that's good, mmm, buttery delight, mmm, tasty, and you know, and. I have a little this and a little that, and you gorge yourself, right? And at the end of it, I don't know how good you feel, but during it, you feel awesome because just you like, it, it's this taste sampler of all this deliciousness. But at the end, you probably have a stomach ache, and then it makes it that much harder next time I'm going to deliver something. You go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I had that before. I had that once before. And it's like, oh, like, I, you know, I, I'm not sure if having the one place where you're in the taps, Like, was that some random card that no one remembers? Like, that's where I'm getting my... You know, like, anyway, I feel like future site... um, A lot of my lessons here is that a lot of early designs, I wasted a lot of stuff. And now we're we're suffering the consequences to a certain extent. That it's like, I, I only have so many tools at my disposal to surprise me and do cool things. And every time I do something that I've done before, I have to find a new way to do it. Or I have to find a context, you know, a creative context that it makes sense in. And that it just becomes harder and harder. I mean, one of the tough things about my job is that I, I always joke that the audience is the Borg. Because uh, in Star Trek, one of the big enemies is the Borg. And the Borg is a collective. And once you do something against it, it learns about it. So every weapon is only usable once. Once you use a weapon on it, it adapts, and now that weapon's no longer usable on it. Um, and I joke that the audience is like the Borg, that I, I have my tricks, but like you know now I mean we can repeat things and uh, time helps us a little bit and you know players are excited to see things come back so it's not 100% true that I can't reuse things but I have to be careful and using something that isn't really using it to its potential makes it harder for me to use it again it's kind of wasting something and that, that's careful um, what else about enchantments I think the thing about enchantments is uh, and Theros plays into this which is let me talk about auras for a second Auras are this interesting thing in that when you make the game and you study beginners and you study sort of the, the, the learning curve of a player, um, one of the things you learn is that beginners tend to do what they think is fun. Um, and that beginners make this false assumption which is if they think it's fun, they assume it must be good. Uh, not to, to be fair, that... In design, a lot of what you're trying to do is make sure the things that are the most fun are good. And so, I think where it comes from is that when you play games, if you play good games, you know, the most fun part about the game usually is good. Um, and one of the things in Magic, which is interesting, is we have found sections of the game that the players enjoy that happen not to be that good. or is a classic example. And that, Oars are, they seem awesome. Like, my creature gets better, and now I just beat you off with my bigger creature. But because card advantage is so important the idea that you know that your opponent could spend one card and you lose two cards that you know I have a creature with enchantment on and they destroy it well now I've lost two cards that 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 disadvantage in uh, card advantage um, makes auras usually not good and we have spent 20 years trying to figure out ways to make auras better cause here's the thing people like auras they are fun they are fun In fact, I used to do a thing called Deck Clinic where we'd go to conventions and I'd sit down people would show me their deck and I'd make advice on how to make their deck better. And one of my common deck advice back in the day was, here's a tip. You want to have more creatures than creature enchantments. Um, People would love creature enchantments. The beginners love creature enchantments. Um, And one of the reasons I knew Theros would do well is, one of the maxims is, if I see people doing something and it sucks, the strategy sucks, but they keep doing it, what I say is, oh, that means they enjoy it. They're having fun. They ain't winning. They, you know, winning is fun too. And sometimes you will do things just because it wins. You know, it's intoxicating winning. And you'll do mechanics that you don't find fun, but they win because winning is fun for you. But if you keep playing something and keep losing, I mean, the reason I knew people, uh, I knew Poison had a lot of fans. The reason I knew Tribal had a lot of fans is in the early days they sucked as strategies, but people did them, kept playing them because they were fun. Um, And I knew that if I made an environment where uh, we call it Voltron environment, which means you build it up. You know, you have a creature and you keep building on it. that I knew we made an environment like that where strategically it actually was the right thing to do that players would have a blast. Because you know what? It's fun. Auras are fun. It's fun building things up. Um, And one of the things we've done over the years is we know auras are fun. And so we've tried to come up with every possible way we can think of to try to make auras better. You know, in Tempest we did... uh, Let's see. In... uh, Mirage, we did auras that you could cast as an instant, essentially. Um, they went away at an end of turn. If you essentially, they could be instants or enchantments, but they could double as instants. We later just make flash... In- like, auras are so bad, you can make them flash good enough. You know, th- that's an advantage. Um, Tempest had flick. What we call flickering... Uh, Oh, the flicker is a bad term, so it means something now. But uh, we called them flickering at the time. Uh, it had enchantments that you could return your hand, or you could return your hand. So the idea was if you had mana open and your, your creature's about to die, well, you could put it back in your hand. Or you could move it if you want to put it somewhere else. Um, Urza Saga had like ran- the Ranker enchantment that that w- if they died, if they were on the creature and died, you got them back in your hand. Um, we've done, uh, we did Lysids in Tempest, where they were auras that hopped off and became creatures, and hopped back on and became auras. What? Over the years we've tried all sorts of different things. You know, we've done a lot of cantrips, we've done auras that had your E T B effects, like in Ravnica, we did a bunch of auras that you know had an effect, so a lot of their value was in the effect, you know, versus the aura. And we have experimented over the years to try to make auras good. I mean, bestow is the latest and just us going, hey, auras can be good. You know, we did auras that when they fell off gave you a creature. We we have done all sorts of things, you know, coming to help you, going to help you. You know, we've we've just uh, up upped the strength level of auras. You know, part of the people the like auras is saying, well you two for one, but it's really good. Um, yeah, yeah, it's really good, so, you know, maybe it's worth the two-for-one, if you can get enough, you know, it does, it gives you enough card advantage in what it's doing that it's worth it. Um, and, I mean, ores are particularly fun. I mean, I, I, so, the other thing to talk about enchantments, I guess, is something they did in Legends, uh, something they, at the time they called Enchant Worlds, which we now call World Enchantments. Uh, and the flavor of those were that you, your battle has literally been taken to a new place, and that new place you're battling has you know, rules and an environment that affects your battle. Uh, and then when you played a new one, you got rid of the old one, because now you've shifted to a new... You're now in a new world fighting with the flavor. Um, and it had mechanical issues, so we, we, we sort of didn't continue them for mechanical reasons. Uh, but the flavor was kind of cool, and there definitely is some neat things that you get to do with enchantments of, of creating a game state, of creating sort of a world... Um, Another big thing that we've been going back and forth on is enchantments. Kind of by flavor, want to mostly be global. Meaning, if I if I shift and change the nature of the you know the world around me, doesn't everybody doesn't change it for everybody? Uh, but we've learned mechanically that those are tricky and they're hard, and a lot of them like become worse for you because your opponent gets to take advantage of it. Or you get to take advantage of it, um, and so over the years we've been leaning a little bit more toward. Some of your global championships aid you and don't aid your opponent. I mean, sometimes the flavor will make ones that are still still affect everybody. But um, we've been doing more and more of the global that affect you and not everybody. Um, oh, the other big thing that happened, I guess, is um, the sh- big. Sh- there's a big shift the, the hatred. So early on, um, when Magic first started, that disenchant really was the definitive enchantment removal spell, um, and the reason was. That it was so it had such utility to it that you could play it in your decks because well it had both enchantments and, and artifacts, uh, and so one of the things we realized was that um, we we shifted things. So we realized that green green the green blue conflict really has green hating artifacts. That blue is all about natural things and disliking artificial things. And well, there are a few artifacts that green likes because they're artificial they're natural, but A lot of it, like, are man-made and created, and that's really not green's thing. And so I realized that green needed to be the number one card to hate artifacts. Um, And so what we did is we said, okay, we shifted. We, We realized that it was weird to have white and red and green all have artifact destruction. And so what we said is, okay, red likes to blow things up. It's a good definition of red. What we'll do is we will allow red the best artifact destruction spell and white the best enchantment destruction spell singularly, but we will make the best combined one in green because that way green in, in the end will kind of be the best at destroying um, artificial things. Uh, and that na- the flavor of naturalize is when you use magic, or like you have technology or magic that's changing the natural order, green's the one that comes along and goes, no, that's not the way it's supposed to be. And so we like the idea that, you know, green's flavor of not wanting artifice... But uh we were able to give it naturalized to do that, um, and so uh, that was a big shift. Um, now the funny thing is the end result of that was we ended up making white a little bit more the focus of individuals on enchantments and then green the focus of the either or um, anyway, I'm at work uh, today I drifted today. Today was a drifty day. I mean I, I think the things I said were interesting, and I, I think uh, um, one of the things that I, I I've learned about my podcast is that. Really, my topic is, is a chance for me to get a jumping-off And I kind of try... I, I try to stay on topic, but I, I go places that I think are interesting things to talk about. Um, and that, that, that makes for the best podcast. That if I... I've tried a little bit where I structure things, and I have an outline, I look at the outline, and... I don't know. I, I tend to find my most interesting podcasts are ones where I just let my brain go where it wants to go. So, today was a little deviation. I, I talked a lot about enchantments, but I definitely hit some other things. So, anyway, I finished a mega-series. I've never finished a mega-series before. I don't think I finished one. Anyway, so now... Until I make a new card type, uh, we've now talked about every card type in Magic. And hopefully you guys enjoyed this series. Um, obviously, I have other mega-series going. we will continue to make some new ones. But uh, it is fun to actually finish one. So that, my friends, are all the card types. And because I am now parked in my parking lot, I realize that it is time for me to be making some of those uh, card types. So goodbye for now, because I need to be go making Magic. Talk to you guys next time.